Welcome to the Transformation Leaders Podcast. I'm Tony Lockwood and I'm delighted that you could join me on this latest episode. Each episode takes the form of a discussion with a leader who openly shares their experiences of leading organisations through the transformation journey. Today I'm joined by Helen Heavers, a clinical lead and a licensed partner for Go Mad Thinking. I think they'll enjoy this session as it covers a particular issue that we cover off on most of, of the sessions, how to manage stress. And Helen will share her own experiences and some ideas of how to overcome stress yourself, but also help other people within your team. So let me introduce you to Helen now. Hi, Helen. I'm delighted that you've agreed to join me today. Um, welcome to the Transformation Leaders podcast. It's great to have you here. And we've, we've had lots of people on the show from, from diverse backgrounds and experiences to date. Uh, however, I think today is a first. And I'm excited to get into it and, and talk about your experience initially within the NHS and, 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 the, and the medical world, uh, and now in your new career focused upon driving cultural change. So uh, as we always do on these, now let's start um, by asking you to introduce yourself, to letting the listeners know a little bit more about your background, and I suppose the, how you first got involved in the world of sort of change and transformation in, in, the, way that, uh, in the way that you are now. Well, thank you for the uh, opportunity, Tony. Um, so my background is 37 years in healthcare. I started off um, student nurse, went on to do my midwifery. And then I ended up in Ireland, um, married an Irish soldier. And uh, when I had had my first baby, uh, the local community hospital um I went to work in had these nurses dressed in white so everything was white apart from the shoes <laughs> and the next thing I ended up on an ambulance with a little lunch box um with a few bandages in so uh that was quite interesting <laughs> off to a road traffic collision um and that's where I first decided I actually like this pre-hospital care um and grew my passion for for that element of my career so I joined the National Ambulance, um, Irish Ambulance Service, um, so back in the mid-90s, and then transformed into a paramedic tutor um, in Dublin in the, in the National Ambulance Service College. And from there, I spent 17 years um, as a paramedic, paramedic tutor, and came back to the UK about 10 years ago. So um, I did a few things, consultant trainer, and then joined uh, the uh, NHS provided service uh, for telephone triage. So that's where I've spent my last 10 years yeah. um, as, a, as a clinical advisor, training manager and clinical lead. Interesting. And, and moving on i suppose to what you're doing now um you know you know how, how your last 10 years have developed and do you want, want to just explain explain a little bit more about that and the work that you're doing at the moment um that obviously is pulling from your experiences in that early career um but probably a little bit more aligned to the type of change and transformation that we're talking about generally within this podcast yeah 
Yeah. So um, when I first started about 10 years ago um, in this journey through the NHS, um, I I grew as a leader, I suppose. I, I had been a tutor, so I've been in the educational field, um, growing people to, you know, develop skills and, and be the best paramedics they could be. And now I found myself in a setting where um, I'm used to dealing with patients, but actually now I'm growing as a leader mm. um, and I'm finding my feet to see, you know, well, what type of leader am I really? Um I suppose the biggest transformation for me was that I was starting to see people develop uh, within the teams that I was building and um, found that, you know, that was my passion, really. And um, I suppose building people to be the best they can be really was uh, my my purpose there. Um, However, the environment Uh, was a challenge because the environment of the organization uh, was quite stifling and suffocating and controlling. So over that 10 years, I suppose, I found that whilst I transformed myself as a leader, I was battling the the challenges along the way, um, which actually led to my burnout a year ago. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so go on, sorry. No, I was just saying that t- towards the, like, so I suppose a year ago, a year and a half ago, I met, you know, I had the opportunity, my HR director could see that I was longing for, you know, some sort of help and support yeah. because it was literally like banging your head off a wall. Um, and she sent me on a discovery day um, to the Go Mad Thinking uh, headquarters. And was almost like I don't know it was just really it might sound quite bizarre but when you're in an environment where you've been so suffocated for 10 years and then you're in an environment all of a sudden where around you people are up getting you to think and it was so overwhelming that you know even walking around the grounds the calmness the peace the relaxation compared to the madness of firefighting and problem after problem that we've suffered like and it's been quite significant problems that we've had but that feeling of almost liberation um I could think and I realized my god have I not been thinking for the last 10 years or I've been in this um stifling environment that actually I've been fighting my people passion because I'm passionate about people and I've done the best I can and then I actually look back and think, my God, I've been so resilient in what I've attempted to do mm. uh, with those constraints around me. Um, but, yeah, I found this magic of go mad thinking. And um, and all of a sudden I had a structure, right. um, which was, for me, the most passionate part of that realisation that actually there's the missing piece of the puzzle almost, you know, um, yeah. that I'm allowed to think. It's interesting that you when you know you, you frame that that part of of your experience um, by stating that you'd got to a point in your career where you 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 had the stresses had started to take a toll, and we 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 talk about how to manage stress 
um, within um, uh, podcasts, uh, or, or all the shows really, um, because transformation, change and transformation can be very, very stressful for the people that are leading it, but equally the people that are in, in receiving that change, that uncertainty can create a stressful situation. Um, and I always yeah. try to extract from people what they do to mitigate that stress. So, so in terms of your experience, yeah, you know, we've, we've working in the NHS, I can't imagine, I can't imagine what it's been like over the last three years when we, you know, as we were approaching the, the pandemic and then getting right into the middle of that massive, massive pressures for everyone who, who, who worked, who were working in that. Um, but in terms of like looking back from what you've learned through Goldman Thinking, what things, what are the sort of top three or four things that you think that, you know, when you are in that sort of right deep into it in, in that stressful situation, what are the three or four real key things yeah. that people need to take? Well, firstly, there needs to be a, a, an avenue for you to get all of those stressful thoughts or hindering thoughts out of your head. You need to have an environment where you can share them and not be treated like a robot uh, or a number. And I think that's the biggest difference is that there are leaders that look at just number driven and will do anything to get the numbers. And actually those those people where I was is I'm a leader for people and I care about people. Um, so I was busy getting everyone else's hindering thoughts out of their head and solving problems and, you know, driving people forward with a vision. Yeah. But yet for me, how I was being managed was that my hindering thoughts, I had nowhere to go. So, you know, I mean, burnout is typically constant chronic stress with with a lack of support. Yeah. And and that for me is the enabler to be able to thrive um, through the stress period. So we had things like I mean, I was I was the face of the organization and a massive coroner's um, investigation. So I was in the witness box for four hours wow. saying how I was going to help prevent this from happening you know and and the whole nightmare of that situation where you know yes I'm the lead uh, and I'm responsible but um you know having when we go through these massive stress events within our work that's where you need the support because those lasting effects will stay with you forever and yeah. even though you're confident and you're smiling you know people think oh she's all right she's okay you know she'll get over it but actually you don't because you carry that with you and then you build on top of that we had the Grenfell fire so we were literally half a mile away from Grenfell when that happened so you, we we end up having these massive events um one after the other um mm. and then and then Covid hit mm. and I was also working in A&E at the time I was doing two shifts in A&E on my time off to keep my skills up you know because as a leader you want to be able to maintain to be the expert, obviously, in what you're doing. So I had that stress as well. Um, and then COVID hit. So I think for me, it's about allowing people 
environments to shed the hindering thoughts because the, the the great power that I found is actually writing it out getting them out you know people say you know they've written a book um and there's, there's a lot of power in writing books about your story because it's part of the healing journey as well Absolutely. but I think that um that that would be one of the massive things that I would say that um, you need to be able to do that, but you need an environment of psychological safety. Yes. So you want people to feel they can do that, really. Yeah. So um, and I think that was that. massive for me. Sorry, Helen. There's two parts to that, though, isn't there? Then there's one part is you has uh, as a leader creating that environment um, that your team can can can, can take advantage of and, and utilize as and when they need it. But yeah. secondly, you as a individual finding if your lead, if your um, um, uh, manager or, or, or boss is isn't providing you that, acknowledging that you need it, and then going finding it elsewhere. Yes, yes. For me, that was the biggest thing. And when you're in it, you can't recognise it because you're just driven and you're 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 moving for your people in your team and you know, you're, you're compassionate. I'm compassionate about people. So I want them to be happy and producing and, and developing because the biggest thing is getting that development stretch, isn't it? They, they're doing the, the, what they need to do to get paid, but actually you want them to develop um, and be that enabler, yeah. you know, for that little bit more to succeed and, and celebrate. Yeah. It's, but it's, I was just suffocated, I think. No, absolutely. Um, I, I remember someone telling me, God, years and years and years ago, that they started talking about the emotional bank account and and the need for obviously keep putting credits into it, and and that's taking time away, giving you time to think, writing stuff down, because day to day life, you just you, you're paying out constantly, and you know a bank account, you're paying out constantly and not putting credits in. You get overdrawn, and overdrawn, then you start to get the you start to have negative impacts on on that environment, and uh, and, and, yeah. and it's something I've, that that image is is has kept with me for for many years. It's just you know if you if you are getting to the point where you're getting into that overdraft, make sure that you do something to break it and give yourself some space. Yes. So that was one thing. Absolutely. What 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 are a couple of other things that you've, you 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 can take from your experiences over the last few years? Um, I think for me um, is that what I've always wanted to do is give people a vision. Mm -hmm. And um, one time I actually went to we had a stall on the an emergency services show, and I'm always looking for opportunities to create. Um, I suppose, a drive in the team. And um, as we were all packing up, you know, there was a little area of the emergency services show. It's up in Manchester. And it was an empty part where they would, would have done a, a, a lecture. So there was lots of seats. There was a little podium. There was a microphone. And, um, and I took a picture of it. And in my head, it was like, I want to give them a vision. I want, want to give them something to strive for so we can celebrate. Because celebration was never on the table mm. it was never discussed um there was no measurement of success like i know now in go mad there was none of that language used for me 
only the expectation to sort the numbers out and get people performing. So I thought, you know, I'm passionate to get this injected into my team. So I took a picture and I showed it to them in a meeting and I just said, just imagine you're sitting in the seats. You've got patients, you've got doctors, you've got paramedics, you've got organizations, you know, CEOs coming from all over the country to listen to your show. Mm. And you're standing on the podium and your slides are X team. This is what we achieved for patient care in telephone triage. And and you're celebrating, you're proud, you know, and I gave them that as we talk now about visioning in, in our goals. And I brought them to that podium, which they were never in that hall, but I brought them there and they were buzzing, you know, and it was like, yes, we can do this. Because for years, what I've I've done is I've got them to think about learning from instance, learning from audit and getting them to think about, right, so there's a theme what could you do to improve that and make sure it doesn't happen again? Oh, we could do this, that, and the other. So they've all done this over the years, but it's almost like that's the that's the top hat, isn't it? It's that telling everyone this is what you're doing and getting it in a newsletter or on a video on YouTube or somewhere to say, that was us. Yeah. And I suppose what I always strive to do was do things that I wanted done to me, but because it wasn't coming from the top down, yeah. I was delivering it to my team. And there was this always this passionate thing trying to get out, but I had nowhere to go, right. really, which was yeah. quite sad. So I, I think that's a big thing for me is visioning, is yeah, looking yeah. to the future. But it, and and it's, it's, it's the same in, in, in any transformation, whether it's personal transformation or um, organisational transformation, it's – Start with the end in mind, Peter Covey, isn't it? It's that those seven habits. You know, yes. Start with the end in mind. And if you can be really clear about what it is that you're trying to achieve or, or trying to get to or uh, trying to build, yeah. at least you've got that north yeah. star and you can move towards it and, and, and people can buy into it. And equally, some people might say, I don't want to go there. And that that's that's yeah. A, a good enough reason as well but at least they know that they've got a choice to make and so you can yeah. take people with you or in some yeah absolutely people can, can decide well that's not where I want to go I'll, I'll I'll leave now but having that and being in, in vocalizing that and communicating that I think is a critical uh, element of any successful transformation yeah, absolutely. And and the other thing is innovation. So getting people to be creative and, yeah. and think outside the box, so to speak. So before I met Go Mad, I was, I mean, I use the term blue sky thinking a lot, you know, and um, the organisation that we worked with that supplied all the software for telephone triage, we did a lot of work with them because they were national. Yeah. And uh, so we were always involved in, you know, creativity almost but it's very hard if somebody doesn't have that drive to get them to be creative so again it's about the environment that they're allowed to work within and um, to be able to get that um innovation out so I, I actually created competitions 
And I think, you know, competitions between teams say who's going to get um, the most improved within 30 days. Think about a problem. What's going on in the team? What are you all passionate about? Because you need to be able to have the what and the why. So what is it exactly we need to do? Why do we need, you know, how relevant is that? Um, So we had the what and the why and they came up with the how and um, four teams created an improvement that made a a significant impact within 30 days. So that was another way of stimulating some interest around change. And and it's interesting, I think, that you you put a 30-day limit on it because a a lot of Mm. organisations that I've worked in in the past uh, around innovation don't don't constrain it into they, they they talk about innovation and they want ideas and they have a competition about creating ideas but the um the ones that have been really successful at, at, at delivering outcomes desirable outcomes have been the ones that have constrained that thinking either into a particular issue or particular area or as you've done a particular time frame and uh, because everyone Everyone can go like this, and, and it is a big blue sky out there, isn't it? But yeah, bringing it down and re- what you were doing there is bringing it into well, what is really achievable, and 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 what can we do in a really short period of time to make a difference? And that really yeah. that to drive that sort of th- those thought processes around short term areas, don't it? And once you've got yeah. that success, then you can widen it and, and look for for longer term ones. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was interesting. There was 12 teams and only four teams actually had, I suppose, the the motivation or the energy to make that change. So that I thought was interesting in itself in that controlling environment that we were in, you know. And again, I think if you remove the constraints, you allow people to feel that they can, you know, think for themselves, create ideas and and take them forward which is engaging and empowering people isn't it and it's having that culture of and not being told no this is the way it's going to be and this is what you're going to do by when and we need to get rid of that don't we but absolutely and i think there's a balance between um having um the right governance to make sure that you know people don't start to do things that are going to endanger other people and stuff like that. But yeah, you you, you certainly need to encourage that that culture of innovation. You know, yes. yeah. I'm many. T- I, I'm I'm been working with uh, with an organisation recently, and I, if I had a pound for every time i've heard someone say yeah but it's different here because this it's always happened like this it, this is the way we've always we have to do it. in this sector this is the way we work all those they, and it's like it's just closed thinking let's yeah up and and yeah if you're going from a b c d e in a process why can't you just go a to e and and when yeah when you ask those questions and you start to well, and the, the, the immediate response is well we can't well why yeah. it's, those, it's that sort of five whys isn't it let's get right down to the core issue of what's yeah and all too often it's because in the past someone's decided that that wasn't the right thing to do yeah and that's that for me is probably one of the biggest things that I've seen in the last year Um, when I went to uh, what we call a results accelerated program and to have the boss in the room 
giving the enabling um, yes to say, you present to me in, in five minutes on Wednesday, two days later, what it is you want to change, yeah. why, and I, and I will open the door for you. And that blew me away. It's yeah. like, oh, I've never experienced anything like this before. I was always the one from, you know, I was almost that person being the enabler. But to have an enabler above you, I mean, that's where it starts, isn't it? That's lead, That's true leadership. It is, yeah. And and um, and, and, a, and and a really, really good leader is prepared to accept ideas from other people and support yeah. them and 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 not get threatened by them. Um. But all too often, leaders are threatened by people that are, they believe are better than them. Uh, and yeah. And yeah. Well, you know, they're going to come and take my role. They could come to take my job. It's like, yeah. If you're in that environment, you, you know it's going to be a challenging environment to operate in. If you if you are yeah. a person like you are, which is looking always looking for things to do differently and things to do better. Yeah. And and you mentioned about, you know, those people that are, you know, we always did it around here, so that's the way it is. I mean, I was fascinated by one particular person in this group, and he was a community um, support officer with, with the police force, and he was coming to retirement age. He sat in the room with his arms folded, you know, you can't teach me anything kind of, you know. And, um, and when you actually got talking to him um, about the what and the why, um, he was always the person in the village who was um, over, you know, the children would look up to him, the parents, he would educate them in the schools about drugs and knives and all the bad things. And it, all of a sudden it was taken away from him. Mm -hmm. um, and, and at that point then he was thrust out back into the community, but was not engaged in the school in the classroom. So that had been going on for some time. And um, anything we used to ask him, he'd say, oh, I don't know. I've got I've got long COVID. I've lost my memory. I don't know. You know, like that personal responsibility element was, I, I don't know. And then when you actually teased it apart, you know, what is it actually you would like to see changed or improved in, in your sphere of work? He says, I'd love to go back to the school. I'd love to get back to the classroom. I see so many of the parents and they're saying to me, why are you not back in the schools? You know, they they all loved him and that was his passion. So his his why was because he was passionate about it. But when he sat in front of the ACC, the chief, uh, uh, the three days later, he said, um, what it is I would like, I would like to go back and help in the education of the children Um because that is my passion and I feel that I give so much back to the community and then I'm fulfilled, you know, and he said, yeah, let's make it happen. And, and, and the ACC made it happen, you know, and to see that man walking in on day one and walking out on day three was just, yeah, it was, it was rewarding for me because I'm thinking I've been involved in those conversations with him. And if I can move people from there to there, um, as part of that conversation, then I could see my future straight away in that self-actualization. You see, you know, in Maslow. Yeah. So Maslow I've used forever because as an educator, you always want people to be warm, fed, you know, looked after socially in the group. But that self-actualization was yeah. always a blur to me. I'm thinking, how do you get there? You know, I've no idea. It's just a word. 
But then it's almost like when I became a thinking engineer, it's like I'm, I'm there. I've actually hit the top of the pyramid. And I think now I know that I could bring people up there through the right conversations. Yeah. And that is the, the results framework with GoMad Thinking. Yeah. Because the, the results framework is that is the they are the principles that you are more likely to make a difference if you use them. And we use them with this chap and it worked. Oh, absolutely. And, and 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 what I picked up on on that on, on that conversation was you helped him in that case to really understand what his passion was and what his what his drivers yeah. were. Um and, and almost elevated him away from the day-to-day activities of what he was being asked to do then. So yeah. Uh, and 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 identified the gap, and and then I suppose helped him to um, achieve to, to move yeah. to be yeah yeah. And, but again, the environment was right, so it goes back to the environment that that container yeah. was an but, enabler. But I think I think as as a leader um, in a change program or a leader in in, in business generally. If you can take the time out to really understand your direct reports, passions, and what they feel that they can contribute the most, all too often when you do that, they come back with things that you would probably never have expected. Um, and it's yeah. illuminating. And, and by moving, you know, I, I, I'm moving my fingers around on, on, on the video here. If I, by moving the pieces around um, in, in the team and aligning them more to where they, they feel passionate about, the performance of that team, the, the performance of the individuals and, the, and then the performance of the team can be exponentially better, can't Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, I'm a big driver for human factors and, and psychological safety because if you if you can't enable people to raise concerns, raise you know, errors, you know, I did this wrong. Could you listen to that call? Um, then, you know, it's, it, it just, it's just becomes unsafe really. Yeah. And you need that safety, don't you, within that environment to run a safe service. And if you're not in the heads of these people, allowing that to happen, then, you know, it's, it's it's not good really i mean no, and, and like you say it is giving them the opportunity to learn from the mistakes um yeah and, and and not um not knocking them down because they've made some mistakes um yeah absolutely if, if, absolutely if they, if they constantly make the mistakes um then that's a different thing you, you you maybe have to give them some training you maybe have to move them into a different role but we should encourage mm. people to make mistakes because then they're pushing the envelope. Yes, and, and by absolutely. Envelope, sometimes they'll fail, sometimes they'll succeed massively, but they learn from it. They're expanding the the zones yeah. and then pushing their own envelopes. Then I had um, you just brought a vision to me because I, I remember um, one of the people that I developed over the ten years was a health advisor to begin with, um, and I never really. Um, until they told me the story a few years later, really appreciated it. But they said, you know, only for you, I wouldn't be here. 
Mm. And this person became a manager of a team of people. So they mm. they developed through. Uh, and I was always in the background, but I was never really always with that person. But they said, I wouldn't be here only for you. And I said, well, what happened? So I said, well, do you not remember? I failed a call. I failed a call. And, you know, I was going to be sacked. Now, I don't know if that was a perception in her mind, um, but I would have lost my job. But you stuck up for me and said, no, because we have to be allowed to make mistakes so we can learn from them. And then we're going to develop and only for you. And that that person grew from a health advisor into a coach into a supervisor and became a manager of a team and she's now gone on to she's a junior she's a second year medical student you know and if you had lost that person you you would potentially have lost a doctor I mean she might have gone on to be a doctor but that's the way I look at it it's getting to that you know best practice yeah I I, I was Reminded me of a, a a really famous story, and I'm desperately trying to remember who it was, but it was in financial services, and some someone had reported that they'd made a significant loss on 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 something on a deal, um, and they came into the meeting and said, "Oh, I'm, 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 I'm expecting to get sacked or to get fired or whatever." And 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 the director at the time said, "Why would I fire you?" You know, you, you've just—it's just you've just cost me X millions of pounds, but you know that's a big lesson for you. You're never going to do that again, are you? Um, yeah. Because you know what you did, you, and so you, you're never going to make that mistake. So uh, let's just make sure that we put it right. And he, he then became one of the best uh, traders in, in 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 the business because yeah. they expected that in, in in sort of that financial services world and trading world. You know, they, uh, they they expect to have losses because you, you yeah. can't win every time. It's the it's yeah. the baseball thing, isn't it? The um, in in America, the all stars uh, of baseball fail something like seventy percent of the time, but because they hit the home runs on the other three thirty uh, percent of the time, they're, they're, they're the whole, the the all stars, and yeah. it's, it's changing that mindset, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But again, being an enabler to have that bigger picture um and it's very difficult because i mean i've been reading up on like transactional analysis about you know personal responsibility for me is massive and i still see it to this day so i I still do some agency work so i still see behaviors how people are behaving and trying to understand why they don't take personal responsibility for things that they should be doing as an employee um and then you look at well are they are are the leaders acting as parents yeah. and so therefore the employees are behaving like children yeah. and that yeah. really struck me because i can automatically see who the parents are in the room and of course they're going to behave like children so we've got to work on um and that stems from obviously how they were treated as a, a child before that they behave in that parent mode or equally how they felt when they were children that's how they regress to in that situation but by treating them as an adult as a leader and they become an adult as an employee you work on the here and now and you're quite objective and you know compassionate about their situation um again that's that's a hard sell sometimes to the leaders because in their heads well they're great aren't they but I think for me now, working on a culture change uh, within this organisation, 
um, it's really it's really great for me because I know the people, I know the types, the stereotypes. But what I'm excited about now is to see them evolving. And it's interesting because some of them are leaving. So it's like check your response, isn't it? You know, if you don't like it, try and adjust to it. You can't live with it. We need to escape, don't you? That's exactly what people are doing. So I'm I'm in a really great place now because I'm all I'm almost watching the movie, you know, Um, and I'm playing a part in conversations because obviously culture changes one conversation at a time, isn't it? Um, But I'm now watching and seeing that actually people are escaping, and it's like yes, it's just creating the right environment to allow this culture change to take place. So, so you're at the moment then is, is your focus more on individual change and transformation or are you working at sort of like the, the organizational level? So I'm part of the support really for an organizational change. Right. But because I work in the environment um, uh, as an agency uh, worker at the minute, um, I'm also there supporting the continuous improvement coach. Right. So I can we can have conversations together to say, well, I've seen this happening. You know, let's think of a goal where we can improve that. So it is really about small conversations. So I actually had a conversation with one of the leaders at the weekend and he actually came to me with um, an issue, um, a people problem. And I gave them, um, you know, a technique to use in order to get them to extract their hindering thoughts, get it all on paper, do it individually, and then, you know, look look at the solution focus thing. Well, how could you possibly help yourself by X? Um, And getting them to be solution focused um, and then bringing them together to create some team team golden rules you know this is how we behave this is the vision um this is how we're going to get there and create that environment of you know allowing people to to say things because it there's almost a context of bullying you know there's this thing that rises from time to time i suppose with um strong individuals uh but actually i think there's a bit of a bereavement element here where if people have had bereavements, um, they might be angry and little things might just, you know. But, yeah, one conversation at a time, and I'm hoping that I can inspire certain leaders within the organisation to think about how they approach things because then they're learning, you know, problem, solution. um, And using the cards, we've got a great set of cards that – We've got 50 of the, you know, common workplace issues right. with some solutions on the back. And it's really just educating everyone around the the techniques at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And and, and I think that, that, that sort of one conversation at a time message, mantra, is really powerful. Um, and and I, I suppose one of the key elements of that with um when you're engaging with leaders as well is that explaining what a conversation is and it's two way it's not just one way um and and, yeah yeah that just listening and spending more time what's that the old adage of you've got two ears in one mouth using in that order yeah it's so critical isn't it in those in those conversations when you are providing that space for people 
who are in a stressful situation, whether that's bereavement, whether that's just pressure of work, whatever, to open up and, and, and yeah. having that opportunity to share what's going on can be so yeah. for lots of people. It can unblock a lot of things, can't it? Yeah, and perception versus reality. You know, are there things going around their head that they're perceiving to be incorrect and actually then getting it out on paper is dealing with the reality of it all and actually, you know, find a way forward. So um, that's really good. Thank you very much for that. I think it, it, it's, it, it just, we've, we've explored a lot of things that we've, in, in previous episodes, we've just covered at a very low level. Um, so that's been really useful. If there's one thing that you um, look to take into all your interactions with organisations or with, with individuals, what is that? Is it is it that one conversation at a time mantra? Or is there, is there something else that um, should be the takeaway from this episode? Mm-hmm. For me, because of my journey and the the thing that constrained me the most, because I think I could have got to self-actualization a bit sooner, right. is the environment and having the psychological safety and and being an enabler for being the best you can be. Right. And when you open that environment, like having the the ACC chief in the room to say, yep. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, that's not a problem. And and being able to do it yeah. um, rather than feeling constrained because, it, you know, those perceptions in your own head, because I didn't have that uh, way out or yeah. able to recognise, you know, um, stress, if you like, um, it led to my burnout. And I think that if I had had that support and that environment was – the right environment i but then again i might not have met go mad thinking you see <laughs> <laughs> I th- I th- so things happen for a reason <laughs> yes yeah, it's a sliding doors moment isn't it and um you know it is something everything happens for a reason just going back to the, the point around the you've mentioned it a couple of times the uh, getting the acc in the room who was saying yes we can do things differently what did you do to get the, the acc to that point was it was is that was that the natural style to say yeah that's how i want to operate or did you have to educate did you did you bring them he or she on that journey to get them to that point it's a great question yeah he he i actually met him in a go mad thinking program so he 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 had completed the same training that i had and and he had this uh, vision of you know creating great things that, uh, within the service uh, in need of you know improvements. So um, I suppose you'd have to ask him that question in a way. But I, but he was certainly on the same level of being in love with go mad thinking right. and just seeing the things that it did for him that he could now do for his organisation. Um, and are you now a um, uh, uh, with with Gomad Thinking? Are, are you a trainer or are you a consultant in Gomad Thinking? Or I'm a licensed you, partner. You believe in it. 
Yeah, I'm a licensed partner with Go Mad Thinking. So I am um, creating my own workshops. I'm, you know, my passion is to be able to speak to as many leaders and and get them all into the ACC head yeah. uh, of delivering because the more leaders that you can um, give them the experience of Go Mad Thinking and how having thinking time in their week will benefit their teams the more you can spread that through diffusion of conversations um the more organizations are going to be enabling you know the right environments for for you know for growth but obviously burnout is so significant in the nhs that I, i see some services are creating their own coaches um so their sisters their matrons are now coaches but I, you know, I, I, I just, I don't know. I just want to see that people are having the right conversations in their, in their teams, and I'm already seeing change. I mean, you know, already seeing certain organisations that I'm working with, um, falling yeah. in love with it. Brilliant. So, if, if if listeners wanted to find out a little bit more about Go Mad Thinking, um, what's the best way of doing that? They can contact me on helen.ivers, E-I-V-E-R-S, at gomadthinking.com or go to the website uh, Go Mad Thinking. And there are lots of testimonials there about NHS services and other organisations that have used the thinking methodology in order to create the changes that they want to see. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time. Helen, uh, hopefully, um, thank you. The listeners have, have enjoyed um, the stories that you've told, the approaches that you've you've adopted, uh, and the successes that you've shared. So, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Helen. Great session, as I was expecting it to be. I think your personal experience and your openness to the lessons and, and learnings that you've uh, taken on board. Um, during the the last few years were very insightful and I'm I'm sure a lot of people get a lot of benefit from this episode. So once again, thank you very much. I trust that you found this episode of interest. If you have, please do share your comments and please do subscribe and share your thoughts on the podcast as a whole so that we can spread the word and get the message out to as many people as possible. The podcast goes hand in hand with the approach that we take within the Transformation Leaders Hub, a community focused exclusively on those operating within change and transformation. So if you've not checked it out as yet, please do so today by clicking on the link in the show notes. I look forward to sharing another episode with you in a couple of weeks time. So bye for now.